0: there's so much that goes into into that process and and there's a lot of different things that that go into finding the different traits and the skills on and off the field at that position and again how you do it how you go about it and again I I could just go on and on about that part of it uh, and there's a lot to it but that's something that uh again Ryan has experience doing I have experience doing and we just need to figure out our best way together. Bears head coach Matt Nagy, Sunday morning grody show here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I will be here with you until noon. I will tell you what the Cubs are in 25 minutes from now because I have finally figured it out going back and forth. That is coming up shortly, plus Grobber transition at 1130, but we are talking a lot of Chicago Bears right now. And joining me from the Chicago Sun-Times, he is the Bears' beat reporter, Mark Potash. He covers the Bears every day of his life. What's going on, Posse? Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. So who's going to be the Bears' quarterback in 2021?
1: Well, at this point, I'm guessing Nick Foles. Uh, (laughs) I just have no uh, instinct for what uh, Ryan Pace can do or will do. And I just feel like uh, at this point, it's just a guess, but it sounds like they're going to have to stay with kind of – they're going to have to draft a quarterback, a young quarterback it looks like, uh, and I don't think that quarterback will win the starting job. So I vote for – you know, it's a popular choice, I think, among – at this point in time is is uh, is uh, Foles or some kind of holdover, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, for a our, for our young quarterback because um, – you know, we have no inkling of uh, of just what kind of move they can pull off. But again, you got to say, n- never underestimate Ryan Pace's ability to overpay for what he really needs. So, I I hate to uh, just go uh, you know all uh, just say just not have really an answer, but you just really don't know. So I would say Falls at this point, and and we'll see what he does. Just you, you never know what uh, what they're going to do. But it's it's not a great situation.
0: If it is Falls, do you think that he? Is better than what he showed last year with the Bears. Well, I think
1: absolutely. I, I think I'm the only one who thinks so, to tell you the truth, because most people uh, uh, push back on that. I, I think he was. Um, I thought he, he was put in a really bad position last year, especially when you uh, when you put it up against what uh, what Trubisky was. The teams he faced. I thought he faced like four of the, of the best defenses, the four of the best fronts the Bears faced. I thought he had the worst offensive lines. The line was deteriorating. I just don't think you really saw what Nick Foles can do, and I think they kind of still believe in him. And. Um, I just don't think you can judge Foles by what he did last year. I don't think I don't think that defined him, and I can't blame people for saying uh, that's bunk because I mean, with the Bears, it just seems like everything is bunk. But that's just my belief that Foles is better than than he looked, and he's a better option than almost uh, than than many of the um, of the options they have, except for the dream scenarios, you know, Watson or Wilson or. You know, even Wentz. You know, Wentz. Look at the year when they both had the same offense. How much better was Wentz than Foles? Not much. If you look, even even statistically, uh, an eye test in the, in the in the in the postseason, not at all. So, look at it that way. I mean, uh, even Wentz is considered. You know, with a guy a guy who would be an upgrade. And how much of an upgrade is he really over Foles in in a bad offense like the Bears have? I say not that much.
0: Plus, if uh, Carson Wentz did come to the Bears, and I'm probably a little bit higher on Carson Wentz than you are. Do Carson Wentz and Nick Foles even get along? Like, isn't that like a isn't that, is he kind of the boogeyman for Carson Wentz? I mean, well, Foles is such a great guy.
1: I, I I don't see that being a problem. Um, maybe on Wentz's part. I don't know much about Carson Wentz, but. um but no, Nick Nick Foles is such a great guy. I mean, he's 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 in the uh, the Josh McCown uh, realm as far as good guyness. So so I don't see that that being the issue. But again, going back to the original question, I think it goes back to this. I I just think if the Bears can't get their dream quarterback, which is like one of those top three guys in the draft, or Watson or Wilson, um, they have to just work on building the best offense they can to make most most uh mediocre quarterbacks better like Nick Foles Nick Foles, in a good offense, is very productive. In a bad offense, he's not. So if you give him a good offense, I think he'll be much better. And I think you'll have more quarterbacks who can fit into your system and be better if you have a better offense. And that goes to, uh, I wrote about it yesterday in the paper, the offensive line. They've got to upgrade their offensive line. I feel like the Bears are trying to do everything they can to be able to take an offensive tackle in the first round. That's kind of my guess is why they're looking so hard at a quarterback so they don't have to draft a quarterback. Unless I can get it in the top three, but so, because there are enough offensive linemen, they can pick a first-round tackle, and I think they really want to upgrade their offensive line. I think that makes their other weapons better. I think it gives you more wiggle room for the mediocre quarterbacks, and not mediocre, but just you know your average guys quarterbacks who can still win. You know, um, they they can help turn a uh, a Mitch Trubisky into a Ryan Tannehill with a good with a good offense, with a better offense. And I think that should be their tack if they can't get, like I said, the dream quarterback scenario.
0: The, the paper in which Mark referred to is the Chicago Sun-Times. That's where he writes. Potsy, the Sun-Times, one of the, one of the fine Bears beat reporters over at the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, you just mentioned Mitch Trubisky, so you think it's still possible? Could,
1: could he still run the Bears
0: offense next year?
1: I, I think he could, but I don't think he will. I think they're done with that. Uh, frankly, I think Mitch is probably done with that. I, I think yeah. uh, I think it's just bad timing. I think Mitch will be successful if he finds the right offense. You know, I kind of felt like that, and I have to say, I kind of felt the same way about Rex Grossman. He just never found the right offense. I thought if he was like in a bubble, like in a in an indoor uh, an indoor team with a good offensive line that could protect him, I thought Rex would really be good, and he never found that. I kind of feel the same way about Mitch, even more so because Mitch is even more escapable and mobile. Than Rex was. I think he will be successful. I think that that will that will end up kind of also looking bad, reflecting poorly on the Bears if he becomes good in another office. and I think there's a good possibility. Now some people think he's just a bust and won't make it, and he has too many limitations. I think in the right situation, I think I, I think I think he will be successful. But the timing is wrong. I mean, I just don't think the way the dynamic is wrong. You know, the Bears just it's just kind of a broken thing. It's kind of like Wentz with the with the Eagles. It's kind of a broken thing, and I think both sides want to move on. I wouldn't put anything past anybody, I guess, but my guess is the Bears will not be with uh, Mitch Trubisky in 2021. All
0: right, you make a good point, too, and the Bears said this all year long, too, that that every time we tried to blame the quarterback, that is our line of questioning in the media, which was, you know, it was definitely justified. The answer typically from the Bears would be, well, this is all of us. This is, this is not just the quarterback, it's the entire offense. You mentioned offensive line, that that could be tightened up and made better. Beyond quarterback and offensive line, are there other things on that offense that can be made better
1: for the Bears next year? Well, I don't know if they how many upgrades they absolutely have to have. I mean, they have a tie, I think Komet is outstanding as it said and a great prospect. I think if you get I think he's a typical guy who if you get a good offensive line, if you get a good if all the other pieces start working, all of a sudden he looks like a real find. And the same thing goes for if they keep Allen Robinson. Um uh, uh, and even Anthony Miller, and, and certainly Darnell Mooney. I mean, those are in a good – Darnell Mooney, in a, put him in a good offense. Put him in the Chiefs' offense. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, even guys like Tariq Cohn. He's, Tariq Cohn is, like, worthless in the Bears' offense. Put him in the Saints' offense. I think. I think – uh, I think Sean Payton can make pretty good uh, hay with with a guy like uh, Tariq Cohen. So I think they have. I think their other pieces. Not that you can ne- never need upgrades, but I think their other pieces that are good enough that in good offenses, they would be much better than they are. I think that's probably the. The, the the hidden um, potential of the Bears' offense is they have they have a, they have certain pieces in place, but they just need some kind of they need an igniter, and it's either got to be uh, an offensive line that you can just you know like the Cowboys have, and like people feel like the Colts have, or or a quarterback you know which obviously the Chiefs and teams like that have.
0: Yeah, I'm ninety five percent sure. I just came up with that number that Allen Robinson is going to get the franchise tag. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, it sounded like that, uh, they would go that direction. He didn't, uh, uh, Ryan Pace didn't seem to care very much for the players disdain for that. I don't know why they still have the, the, the franchise tag. It just seems to cause more problems than it's worth. If I'm an NFL guy, I'm doing everything I can to come up with some better solution. Cause especially in this day and age, when the players in all sports feel like they have more, uh, you know, more power, yeah. um, it just seems like it's becoming less and less of a positive uh, implement to use. But I, but but that said, I, I think he will. Pace doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about what the fans think. He doesn't care. About any, he cares about him doing his job. Nothing against him, but that's just his M.O. Yeah. To his and to his, to a fault. I mean, he spied versus spied his way into one of the worst quarterback picks of all time. But that's his M.O. That's what he does, and and he just does what he does. And so I, you know, so I so. So, so who knows? It's it's so hard to predict what 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 he's what he's going to do. You're right about that, though. With the
0: the transition or the franchise tag, all NFL teams, every single player ever hates it. They hate it. They hate it. They hate it. It's a tool that is given to to GMs, and they should use it. But every, I think, every single player, Potsy. Shows res- or probably has resentment towards that organization, like Alshon
1: Jeffrey, right? Who didn't right. didn't seem like he liked being in the cold, but he's cool with Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I, I feel very strongly about that whole thing. Uh, as far as I would really like to question GMs how they feel about it. I know they have to use it, and and they have, but it just doesn't seem like it's a positive. Thing it does, it doesn't seem like it works in the spirit of it. It doesn't really it doesn't really create especially a team that's so big on culture. You're taking your best culture guy and you're and you're you're making turning him into a malcontent. That's a pretty neat trick actually, and 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 the, and it takes the tag to do it. So. Uh, so it could go that way, but who knows? Maybe they think they have a better idea, and they're willing to let him go and, and and sign a replacement. It would I wouldn't put that past them either. But that also is kind of strange. Take the one guy who's most the big the guy who's the most the biggest embodiment of the culture yeah. that you cherish, and you're not gonna you know they made Eddie Jackson the highest paid safety in football two years ago, and they're not they weren't willing to pay. Allen Robinson, even though we're only getting one side of that argument, I have to admit that we're not really, nobody ever talked, the Bears never talked to anybody, so we never hear exactly what's happening on the other side. I still, that still is kind of, still befuddles me that they didn't go all out to keep Allen Robinson happy. He's Mark Potash, Chicago Sun Times on
0: Mark Grody of the score. Let's go to the, the defensive side of the ball. Sean Desai, the Bears' new defensive coordinator, is scheduled to speak with us tomorrow via Zoom. At noon, what do you want to know from Desai?
1: Wow, uh, I guess uh, what, <laughs> how's he going to put the bite back in the Bears' offense? What what what, what did he see as the problems? Uh, the Bears obviously took a downturn. Uh, no offense to Chuck Pagano, but there was a huge downturn um, uh, um, uh, the last couple of years, and and they and they, like I said, they lost a lot of that bite. And what's he going to do? What's his plan? Uh, how much how much does this thing need to be fixed? I mean, there's you know. What, how much? Is, how is Mike Pettin going to help him? What's how's he going to work with him? I think that's an interesting sign acquisition by the Bears. Um, so I don't know, but we're not going to get a lot of answers. I can tell you that Sean right. is not. Uh, he's a great guy and he's very, a really bright guy. But he's like he's the one guy who was like when because he's a safeties coach doesn't get a lot of questions when during availability he's like. All right, when he's done, you know he's like, you know, he doesn't. He's just not into that part of it. You know, he's just that's just not his thing. So my guess is we're not going to get a lot of. We don't get a lot of detailed answers anyway. That comes from that comes from the top. You know, just don't give, you know, don't give out any information. So I don't think we're going to get a lot of answers. Frankly, I'm not. My expectations are not very high. But I, you'd just be curious just to find out what uh, what if if he, if how much he plans to go his own way. If he sees he's a sharp guy, it'd be interesting to see. Just what mistakes does he think were made? You know, um, you know, why didn't they get much out of Robert Quinn? Um, that kind of thing. So if he has any better ideas, how much more aggressive is he gonna be? That I think that's a key question. Um, pointing out that uh you know the Packers uh are uh, Packers defense is not any better man for man than the bears, but they're much more unpredictable and they're much more effective because they are. Are they going is he going to add that kind of unpredictability to the bears? defense? this is what they need. So those kinds of things, those are the kind of things I think people want to know, but I just don't think we're going to get any concrete answers. What did you
0: think about the Mike Patton hiring?
1: Well, I think I'm a big believer that Mike Pettin has outfoxed uh, uh, Matt Nagy almost all the way through, going back to the very first game where, where the Bears scored a touchdown on the very first drive and a field goal on the next one, and then were totally shut down. And then when the Bears beat them later that year and then they came back and they got totally shut down in the opener, which was a key game uh, in 2019. I, was, I think it was 10-3. to 3. And I just feel like he's really good at playing the game, which is somewhat ironic because he got fired because his defense collapsed in the playoffs. But he's still right. a really good offensive coordinator. His defense are, are, are really good. I think it's a little bit of a pickle for the Packers, frankly. They're firing a guy who's actually pretty good, and they might struggle to, to, to find somebody who's as good is Mike Pettin. And I just think the dynamic is good in this situation. You know, a lot of times like um when the Bears hired Brad Childress as a senior advisor, you know, it was like worthless. I mean, we never even knew by the time we found out or even could even ask what he did, he was gone. We never it was like too many cooks, you know. It was just a bad it just you never saw any fruits of that. But this is a totally different thing. This is defense. Isn't the head coach's side of the ball? Um, this is a, a veteran defensive uh, coordinator with head coaching uh, uh, experience with a first-time defensive coordinator. I think it would work. I think it has the prospect of working very well, actually, because Sean DeSai is a smart guy who would know how knows how to make that work without feeling like a guy's looking over his shoulder and can use the best of what Mike Penton has to offer, which, frankly, is unpredictability. And add that to the bears defense can really make it work so i, I think it's actually a, a really good signing i think uh, I think the bears probably would have been even better off signing Pettin as their defensive coordinator had they they known he was going to be available <laughs> i i you think they would have you think they would have hired him it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise you, him? but I think they were pretty set on going in house so so maybe so maybe not i mean uh I mean um I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. But I'm just saying that wouldn't have. That would not have been the worst move because, like I said, I mean, Pettine's fault in in Green Bay was that his defense has collapsed in uh, in uh, in the playoffs, and and he had obviously won the one bad call against Tampa, but. Um, the offensive coach had his own problems in the game against Tampa too, so he, he there was an issue there as well. So, so, so anyway, I I just feel like he's he's a he's a quality guy. I, I guess I think he's a quality defensive coordinator who knows how to win the chess match. That's the key, um, uh, and I and I just think he would he would have been good, and I think he will be good as an advisor, even in an advisory role, not the coordinator with the Bears.
0: Yeah. And I I think if Desai uses him right and he is secure and it seems like Sean Desai is secure, that 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 is just here's the other part about Mike Patton, too, is that Patton doesn't want to stick around being an advisor forever. He's this is where this is his stop before hopefully and I'm guessing before getting another job. Right. Whether it's as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator, he doesn't want to stay here and work with Sean
1: Desai forever right, yeah there's no doubt about that that was like when when Pagano came on he came on, he made it very clear that no, he was not trying to be a head coach and he would not be right. leaving um but yeah, that would be, and that you know i mean that's you know that that's just that's just part of it so i mean um uh you know so that. Uh, the bears are still better i think for having him on or whether even if it's just for a year or whatever because they need now (laughs) they can't wait three years to get this uh for the offense to get going or for the defense to regain its bite because uh, by then everyone's going to be too old (laughs)
0: that's so true like the window has maybe got a couple of years maybe a year maybe one good year left in that defensive window uh, Patsy, you hate when I do this, but I'm going to ask you a non-Bears question. Is that all right? I know you all hate All
1: right. This. Yeah. Fire away. I'll do the best I but can. No I, promises.
0: Uh, I'm going to make it simple. What did you think? And I know you're a sentimental, emotional guy. What did you think about Jake Arrieta signing or coming back to the Cubs? Does that give you goosebumps?
1: no it'll it'll it, not really i mean nothing uh. against Jake Arietta, but he's just not the same pitcher he was. He wasn't the same pitcher he was when he left town that he was in his prime with with the cubs so um no, it's just i, I probably just more demoralizing than anything else is that you know they um they're you know they let go uh you darvish after he finally got good and now they're picking up Jake Arrieta when he's not very good and it just it just it's just a sign of. Just how the downturn of the Bears. He's not gonna make uh the Cubs rotation that much better uh if if at all. And so it's the only the only thing it'll do is it'll remind us of the good times. So that's what this season sounds like it's gonna be about. I think they, the Cubs have an idea like they're still contenders. Uh I don't know. I it doesn't look like it. I don't think Jake Jake Arietta is um I just don't think he's good i think i don't think he's as good as he was and he's a guy if you remember he wasn't very good early in his career he was only good when everything was just just right for him you know and he was awesome he was as good oh, for man. i can't remember what the numbers were that came up with but for 74 starts in the his career he was 44 and 13 with a 2.08 era that's the longest stretch of, of outstanding pitching as any cup pitchers probably ever had including fergie jenkins greg maddox you know, you know any any of the great Cub pitchers. So I mean, he was. But my point is, he was only good. It was like a moment in time. And Jake's kind of a uh, different kind of guy. He's a different kind of cat, let's say, and um, very confident. But um, but he It doesn't surprise me that he's has kind of dropped off. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like everything had to be – everything was there for that one moment in time, and that was the moment, and and it's just not there anymore. So he might be better than whatever they could have had, and he's always a good guy to have. He just makes you feel better. He's such a confident guy. Maybe he'll have an impact on the other guys, but uh, as far as impact on the Cubs, sorry, he's just – yeah, he, mental, he's, he's much more mentally tough than you, Darvish. But at this point, that doesn't make a difference. It's how good of a pitcher you are, and Darvish was the better pitcher.
0: That is spot on, Mark. That was good, man. I appreciated that. Is there anything else you need to get off your chest before I let you? Anything that you're hot for, or uh, does that just about do it? Because I, I know yeah, these I was
1: thinking, You know, I was actually trying to think if there's some big uh, thing going on, uh, but not really. You know, I mean, the the uh, the Hawks, the Hawks and Bulls are both encouraging um and so that so that is good but there's no i can't say there's no real take there uh, i mean it still remains to be seen if either either of those teams are going to they're kind of in the same spot of the uh, kind of pre- not really c- contender so let's wait and see on that but at least it's fun to watch again both teams you know so it's it's entertaining which is much more entertaining than trying to figure out who the bears quarterback will be I, I'm, I'm tired <laughs> of that already
0: amen brother mark you're the best thanks for coming on man
1: thanks mark thanks for having me on your show i appreciate
0: it you betcha that's Mark Podash of the Chicago Sun Times. Yeah, and I I was kind of poking a little fun with the sentimental value. I probably have more of that towards the Cubs than Mark Podash does at this point. The and and I agree with him about Arietta. We're going to get into that here in a second. You can't depend on Arietta as one of your top 3 starters. It is not a move of consequence other than the sentimental value, but I'll get into all that. When I covered the Cubs in 2016 as pre and post game host, I was part of the parade, you know, they put everybody on buses and it was very random. And they just like, there's a guy with a clipboard saying, Grody, you're on bus five. Um, you know, go, go up there. I get on the bus here. Here were my bus mates. Okay. So it's, it's including me. It's five of us. All right. Just the five of us on top of this bus for the parade. The one that went down Michigan Avenue with millions of people ready for this my bus, Jake Arietta, Kyle Schwarber, Mike Montgomery, and Tommy LaStella, and only one of those guys is still with the Cubs, and he's only back with the Cubs, and that would be Jay Carrieta. That said, let's talk about the Cubs next, because I'm going to tell you what they are, because I've had a really difficult time trying to figure out what the Cubs are right now. I'll tell you what the Cubs are after this. I'm Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station yeah, there's, there's room to add some pitching. I know, I know Jed's been working pretty hard. We, we talk every day, um, and uh, we, we understand the pitching is a place that we need to spend a little more time and a little more money, um, and he's got some conversations uh, ongoing. I'd, I'd be very surprised if, if we were done uh, on the pitching side. Cubs president of business operations, Crane Kenny, on the Molly and Haw show here on the score was right. Jake Arietta is a coming. I don't believe the Cubs have made that official yet because of physical pending and all of that kind of stuff, but it has been widely reported that Jake Arietta will be added to the Cubs pitching staff to join Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies and Alec Mills. That's all I got for you right now as far as the Cubs starting staff is concerned. Grody show happening right now on your radio here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I will be here until noon today. Got some Bulls and Blackhawks talk coming up a little bit later on. There will be robber transition happening at 1130 when anything could happen. So I invite you to be here now, but you will definitely want to be there then when that goes down. Cubs pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. I have a hard time believing that's actually going to happen. It's going to happen, but I don't know. For some reason, my brain does not allow it to actually be occurring just because of how crooked everything, well, not really crooked, how crazy everything was last year. But it is is supposed to happen. Full squad, Feb 22, Cactus League games. The practice games begin on February 27th. And it's been difficult to figure out what the Cubs are because of you and Kyle Schwarber. And then they signed Jack Peterson and now Jake Arrieta. And I kept saying that my answer to that was watch what the next move of consequences for the Cubs and then you will know what they are. This the Arrieta signing is not a consequential move necessarily because he's not a one, two or three, I don't think at this point. So I, I don't look at that as a function of what i was talking about but i've actually flip-flopped on my answer um i came to the conclusion yesterday that the cubs are they are the team this is what they are they are the team that traded you darvish that is ex- you, you needn't look any further or become confused or find the cubs ambiguous in any way shape or form they traded you darvish they traded the pitcher that was 8 and 3 with a 2.01 ERA, led the National League in wins and was second in earned run average, second in walks and homers per 9 innings, fourth in whip, eighth in strikeouts per 9 innings it goes on and on and on and on and on. I don't think I need to state my case any further than that. And until further notice, that is what defines the Chicago Cubs. No matter what we want to think about baseball, top-notch starting pitching is still the most important thing that exists on any roster. And the Cubs traded one of the best in the business in that regard. That is what defines them. And the fact that they they did not get anything concrete in return. I suppose you could say Zach Davies is that, but he's not a game changer. And then they got a bunch of You know, guys who maybe somewhere down the line, once they are past the age of 18, could probably be good in in the major leagues. But that's not something that is relevant to anything that's going to happen probably in the next four or five years with the Chicago Cubs. So right now, you needn't look any further than that. A team that gives up their top pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball, can't be that interested in competing for a World Series in a year now things could change there could be there could be a a move of consequence that occurs that changes things but I don't know that that is going to happen right now so they're they're not the team that let Kyle Schwarber go they're not the team that signed Jacques Peterson they're not the team that signed Jake Arrieta they are the team that let one of the best pitchers in baseball go. And that is symbolic of the direction of the team. And I'm sure privately they would admit that too. And they're not using the world, the word rebuild at this point, but that's it. That's that's what that's what the Cubs are at this point. So that does bring us to Jake Arrieta. And yeah, for sentimental reasons, it's a terrific move. And it would be a blast if you could get some sort of second act out of Jake Arrieta at the age of 35. It is not a huge move. It is not. The, the $6 million is $6 million. That is, Jake Arrieta wanted $10 million over two years, okay? He, he settled for $6 million to come back to the Cubs. That is not a big dent, maybe relative to the way the Cubs have talked about money and other teams have talked about money. It is, but this is not a $10 million a year guy. It's not a $15 million. It's not a $20 million. It's a $6 million guy that is going to compete for a fourth or fifth starting job on the Chicago Cubs with other guys like Trevor Williams and Shelby Miller and Cole uh, Stewart. Maybe Braylon Marquez, maybe Albert Alzali. I don't know. So, so there's all that. Here's what I don't think it is. I will not be as cynical as a lot of Cubs fans. I don't look at this as a pandering move to Cubs fans. I don't think this is, hey, we'll bring back Jake Arrieta to make everybody feel good. I don't think so. I think that's kind of stupid to think that way because if if that was the direction the Cubs were going, there's no way they would have let Schwarber go because they could have afforded Schwarber too. And nobody makes Cubs fans feel better than Kyle Schwarber. So this is not a pandering move. Plus, Plus, usually those kind of moves are for actually coming to the ballpark, there's no guarantee that there will be a single fan in Wrigley Field this year to see Jake Arrieta. And yes, every time Jake Arrieta makes an appearance, whether it's to play long toss or to warm up in the bullpen or to just come out of the dugout and hobnob, he's going to get a standing ovation if there are fans there. There is no doubt. There is sentiment attached, and there should be, since you don't win a World Series without Jake Arrieta, nor do you... Hell, you probably don't win a wild-card game in 2015 if you don't have Jake Arrieta. But this is, like I said, this is not a pandering move. The Cubs have shown that they're not afraid to give up some of their core guys. Jake, or excuse me, Chris Bryant's name is still loud and clear in trade talks. So uh, I think it's very easy to think and to say that this is a magical move and this will just satiate Cubs fans. But no, I... I don't buy that. 312-644-6767 is the number. If you, if you if you want to weigh in on what you think the Cubs are, please feel free to do so. 312-644-6767. I know we had Alex hanging on. Is Alex still there in Deerfield? Alex, are you there, my friend? Because if you are, you're on the score. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I wanted to weigh in a little bit on the Jake Arrieta thing. In my opinion, uh, he's a guy that you got to keep around. He's a face in Chicago. Uh, have you ever seen uh, The Rookie? I have not. That's with Dennis played. Okay. So The Rookie is a movie about a, a pitcher who uh, coaches a high school team. And, you know, he's older and uh, he can still throw the ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, basically, it's like an allusion to this uh, Jake Arrieta thing. Basically, Dennis Quaid's uh, character, he uh, wins the game with his his kids,
1: you know? And then his kids say that, hey, you got to honor the uh, the gamble and go and,
0: you know, play the pros. And then he goes into the pros and he's throwing 98, you know, when he's old. So it's like one of those stories. Gotcha, man. Um, Alex, I, I do appreciate the call. Um, we'll see if. Yeah, of course. It'd be awesome, man. It would be awesome. And I guess it would be Hollywood like. If Jake Arrieta was able to reclaim some of that, man, or, or just because, look, if Jake Arrieta can be a top three starter in the Cubs rotation and give you 150 to 200 innings, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. And then Arrieta would probably leave at the end of this season to go get his two-year two contract. So, I man, like I said, I hope it works out well. For Jake Arrieta, I love Jake Arrieta. I think he's a great dude. I loved covering him while I was doing Cubs pre and post for three years. But right now, this is this is not the big move. It it is simply not that. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Dirty little secret about me, by the way. This and this is dirty. This is filthy. I am not a huge sports movie fan, and I think it's because. I think it's because, like, when I want to watch a movie, because I do what I do for a living and my life is sports, I'm still, you know, I still like going to games. I am a fan of sports. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that jaded. But I think when I need my movie escape, I want it to be something that's not about sports. I've seen a lot of sports movies. But I don't, like, I'm not going to be the, the sports talk show host doing the list of favorite sports movies. I'm just... um yeah, there are those that I like and all of, I mean, like I'm down with everybody on Major League and the Bull Durham and all that kind of stuff. But I, um, I don't have the enthusiasm level that a lot of my colleagues do in the business and that a lot of you guys listening out there do. I'm more, I, I prefer to, my escape is something non-sports. Uh, but right now we're talking sports heavily. I'm Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Um, so Chris Bryant, you know why he's still here? There are no takers, I think, right now for Chris Bryant, which is shocking considering what we all know about Chris Bryant, what he was, you know, with the MVP season and just a stand-up citizen and all that kind of stuff. Great dude, great player who has fallen on hard times in the last couple of years. I know the Mets poking around, showing interest once again. But Steve Rosenblum and I yesterday had the one and only Wayne Randazzo on. Ray, Wayne is one of the primary radio play-by-play guys for the New York Mets, former Chicago guy. And we asked him the question, to Wayne Randazzo, what is the feel in New York with the Mets? Is there excitement regarding or centering on Chris Bryant? Here's what the Randazzler had to say.
2: Well, you know, Chris has uh, just got one year left on his deal, and I think the Mets have bigger fish to fry in terms of of contract extensions. You know, Lindor also only has one year left. Michael Conforto's a homegrown kid has one year left. Cindergard has one year left. So I think it would be exciting to have an upgraded third base. Um, but you know, Brian has kind of struggled the last couple of years, and you're not getting the MVP Chris Bryant from two 2000- thousand. 16 you're getting a version that's trying to prove himself again before going into free agency so I think that would be met with enthusiasm for the most part but I think it also depends on the price and if a starting pitcher is involved I think the Mets still would like to get one more starting pitcher and you know the one I think Mets fans would like to see come over with Chris Bryant is Kyle Hendricks and I don't think that's necessarily Mm -hmm. going to happen Uh, I think the Mets might be more interested in the trade with the Reds because I think they would be more willing to give up a starting pitcher along with Eugenio Suarez. So uh, it's, it's an interesting time because we just saw Arenado get traded and there's still some more big names can be traded and, and Chris Bryant's certainly a, a big name as any. But uh, we'll see. I don't know that Mets fans are, are jumping up and down necessarily to, for this to happen.
0: Isn't that amazing when you think about, again, where Chris Bryant came from? There, There's not a market for Chris Bryant right now. The Cubs basically, like I said, you, you got a starting pitcher out of Hugh Darvish when you traded him, but you did not get a lot. Based on that, one of the best pitchers in baseball, you get nothing. You really think there's anything out there for Chris Bryant? That's why KB hasn't been traded yet, and the Cubs might, depending on how determined they are to rid themselves of potential salary in the future, Th- they're going to get nothing for Chris Bryant either. So that's the that's what's going on with Bryant. There's just not a market out there for him. And you heard it in Wayne Randazzo's voice right there. <laughs> they don't care about Chris. They're talking about a. Eugenio Suarez. I mean, he's been... Bryant's been passed up by a lot of guys. I think that there's still... I think there's still a I do think there's a second act in Chris Bryant's baseball career. I do think he can return to excellence, but I understand what other GMs and organizations might be thinking that there's no guarantee. They don't see him every day. They don't know what is left in the proverbial tank in terms of injuries. He's only 28, right? So, you'd have to think that there's still something left there for Bryant and he still can be a 40 home run a year guy. I believe he can be, but the market just is not there for Chris Bryant, so that's why he's still with the Cubs, and and maybe he will be with the Cubs on opening day, and maybe even at the the trade deadline, depending on what goes on, but I would think that that would be your best opportunity to trade. Chris Bryant would be at the trade deadline. When we come back here on the Grody Show, I have a little bit of Blackhawks. There was a strategy, maybe, that was accidentally employed last night by the Blackhawks that I liked during a win over Columbus 3-2 in overtime. A bit of Blackhawks next. Grody Show here on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 the score. This is Sports Radio 670 the score and 670 the score.com. Chicago Sports
1: Station. And back comes to bring it to Kane. To bring it to the net, there's a the pass. Bouncing bucket guard! A give and go! Kane and the cat combine again for an OT GWG!
0: The Kane and the cat! <laughs> GWG! That'd be Patrick Kane to Alex it for the game-winner. 35 seconds into overtime last night. GWG would be game-winning goal. That's the journalist update guy in me. You got to explain the abbreviations. You can't just leave that hanging, kids. See how that works? Blackhawks beat Columbus last night. 3-2 in overtime. Kevin Lankinen. Got it back on last night with 29 saves after a pretty bad game in the previous where he allowed five goals in a wild game. We'll call it a WG, a wild game. Uh, Carl Soderberg tied the game at 2-2. I thought the Blackhawks were going to lose this game, but a, a big Soderberg goal. Late in the third, Kaner had two assists. The Debrinket shots are actually going in the net this year as opposed to hitting the post. So I think that's a very important thing as far as Alex Debrinket's game is concerned after a weird year last year for him. But we all knew he was good. So Blackhawks now, if you're not paying attention, 7 5 and 4 right now. They are off to the road after this six-game road trip starting on Monday. So something that happened last night I think is relatively unique in hockey. So the the Columbus Blue Jackets scored the first goal last night. Patrick Laine, he put one in. And uh, it was not long after that that Brandon Hagel beat him up. Brandon Hagel, the player for the Blackhawks. Yes, we have to get to know our Blackhawks, Brandon Hagel beat him up. Well, Patrick Line actually got a couple of good punches in first, but then Hagel lands the knockout punch. I don't think you see that a lot where the guy who scores the goal <laughs> gets beat up. Typically it's it's the enforcers that will go at it. And I honestly don't know a lot about the fighting past of Patrick Line. I know he's a good goal scorer, so that is that is atypical in hockey, but I think that that's a pretty good strategy employed by Jeremy call guy scores against you. Let's beat him up. Let's beat him up. So I'd like to see that going forward. Man scores, kick his ass. That, you know, no, hey, nobody scores. on You score on us, you're going to feel it. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get hit in the head. Um, and I also think it's interesting nowadays, too, in the NHL that, or, or at least in this case, Patrick Line and Brandon Hangel didn't go right to the boxes. They went right off the ice and into protocol to make sure that their brains had not been damaged. You know, like think about this compared to like a hockey fight in the 90s or in the 80s. It was, all right, put your damn helmets back on. Let's clean up the blood, get in the box, and then get back out here. But now we're aware that the brain is a fairly important organ. So when two guys fight and they're punching each other in the head they go to the dressing room, and they get their heads checked. And that's what Patrick Laine and Brandon Hagel did. But I do think that it's a it's a pretty good method in hockey. You know, I don't like violence necessarily, but if somebody is going to score on you, kick his ass. Beat him up. Um, so, yeah, that's the deal. But And did you know that Patrick Kane, too, is fourth in the NHL in scoring? So Kaner is still being Kaner. And I don't know if Kaner is going to be around, or if the Blackhawks will ever be good again on his watch. I will always say this about the Blackhawks, though, that you never will have wasted anything that Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith or any of these Blackhawks classics, you never will have wasted their time because they did get three cups out of those guys. So I, I never look at it that way. But a good win for the Blackhawks last night. Won a rebound game, um, a come-from-behind win, and it looked good beating Columbus 3 2 in overtime. Good luck in the next six games on the road. Obviously that is that is gonna be a, a pretty tough road to go. Um few things from the text line here. 312 644 67 I'm Mark Grody. Um, isn't this is a great question. Isn't Arietta an improvement over Lester? Also the movie Rookie is a true story that you should watch as a sports guy. Nah. Um, so God, that's a good question. Is Arrieta an improvement over Lester? And I hate, you know, the an easy answer would be, well, if he's healthy, maybe. But Lester was a pretty, relative to fifth starter, pretty dependable in that realm. I'd say that that's a pretty good parallel between those two guys. Maybe Arietta a notch. Yeah, okay. I'll say Arietta probably a notch better than Lester to answer that question. Um 847, hey Mark, you won a World Series with the Cubs and got a ring, they should bring you back. They need you. No, 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 no. You know what? Sometimes, kids, in life, the right thing happens. Zach is awesome with pre and post, and he rocks the play by play. So sometimes things work out for the better. I love covering the Bears. I love working the sidelines for the Bears and traveling with them. And I got three great years in with the Cubs doing pre and post, and Zach is excellent. So, nope, I uh, I would disagree with that. I appreciate the sentiment, but no, absolutely not. Um, KB has really declined. I can understand why he has no takers. That's the deal right now. That is, I don't think it really is that complex as to why – Chris Bryant is still part of the Cubs. There just aren't, you know, the the Mets are sure they, they might be interested because they lost out on a pitcher and a third baseman already, and Trevor Bauer and maybe Nolan Arenado. But you know, there's just there's just not a big market for Bryant. And then are they willing to trade a second guy after you Darvish and get very little in return uh, from the two six two? Favorite sports movies, light them up. Yeah. Um, from the 630, yeah, I'm just not a big sports movies fan. I don't hate sports movies, and I've seen most of them. I, they just don't. It's not my first choice. Like, when I want to go see a movie or sit in and watch a movie, I typically am not attracted to sports movies. Um, sport. The sports in movies is always bad, too. I don't know about that. I think... Um, well, does Rocky count? I mean, I thought you know that's totally realistic, totally. Um, from the three, three, one, I thought the wake and bake show was on Saturdays. What the hell, Alex? I guess that was a reference to a, an earlier call. So we'll leave we'll leave Alex alone because he can't really defend himself. All right, let's take a break. Still to come on this show in about. 40 minutes from now? Actually, no. Let's do that math again. About 35 minutes from now, I will have on the one and only Les Grobstein to do transition. We will pull Les Grobstein off of score overnight. I want to find out how his Valentine's date was last night. I want to find out if he is pricing new birds. I want to know what he thinks about Jake Arrieta back with the Cubs because we always rely on Les to give a little bit of historical perspective. And I think this is a big moment for Brandon Fryer too, who is our producer who works a lot of overnights with less. so he'll get a chance to interact with less during the daylight hours, let alone on a Sunday. And this is a work day for Grabber, So this is this is a rare treat that Grabber would come on a different show when he does indeed, Technically, it's Monday that he'll be doing the show, but you know, it's kind of like he's got to get himself psyched up and prepare. We'll find out what goes on in Grobber's world on a Sunday, but that's not until 1130. I've got some Bulls things I want to run past you coming up here in about five minutes on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Mark Brody. Talk to you here in just a few minutes on The Score.